Hi, welcome to Invisibly Ill, a podcast by three 30-something women living in New Zealand who've all been told that you don't look sick. We hope that sharing stories will make invisibly ill people feel sick. Content may be triggering for people who are still on their health journey. What episode are we on? Four? Four. Episode four. Episode four. I know, right? Yeah. We actually, I actually, got, did I actually it. got my therapist to listen to our podcast and show apparently she liked it, but I'll find the uh, unfiltered review tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some nice reviews from people. They were saying, one, one person said, Oh, you're not quite like you are at work. I was like, Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I've remained, you know, a bit more tact- tactful at work. But 83 listens. Oh, we're over, we're over 100 now. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. That's very exciting. That is, so yeah. I went and saw my surgeon last Friday. I'm just going to, I'm jumping straight in, sorry. Um, and it was really weird. So I had a, I had an MRI about a month ago. I think it was, yeah, it must have been over a month because it's before I started going back to spin classes. Shout out Westwood Cycle. Uh, that was really lame. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's good and bad. So in terms of like my side by side MRIs, the actual spine and the nerve the column the view of the column type thing clear like really good healthy looks good um compared to the one just was just after i had surgery in april however the top disc so the one i had operated on just before this um is now looking quite precarious and a bit dodgy so i have to be really really careful um and that's the one from my from my understanding anyway that's the one that is most compounded when you're sitting down. Mm. So uh-huh. I'm, having to, I'm using my standing desk a lot more. So anyway, that disc's looking a bit dodgy. Um, I asked him about my foot, because my, my, my foot's basically been about the same. Maybe minor progress. Like I, I think I'm seeing progress, but it's so so slow. It's, it's hard to kind of yeah. latch on to. The other thing he said, and he wasn't saying this like a dick, um, was he showed me the back. He's, well, I was obviously looking at my own back. And he was like, this level of fat here. I was like, oh, cheers, cheers. Straight in there. Cool, cool, cool. He's like, this level of fat is a bit more than we would we would like. I was like, it's a bit more than I would like. Oh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I um, love when doctors say that, like, oh, I'm supposed to be a little bit less heavy? Weird. I never heard, I've never heard anybody <laughs> tell me that in my whole life. Oh. That's shocking information. <laughs> it gets worse. Oh. But it's fucking funny. So, um... He was, he was like, so I mean, how, how can I put this in a way that you might understand? And I was like, come dun, on, dun, dun. <laughs> what's I going to say? And he was like, so, you know, like really good steak. I was like, I'm a vegetarian, oh. but um, I can remember steak. I can remember steak. And he was like, you know, it's got a lot of fat in it. I was like, yeah. And he was like, so most of the, what you really want from your back is this like solid bit that you've got here on the, in, like the inside like around my spine that's really good like yay good good no not good steak good bag and he's like and what we've got here which is the outer side underneath the the two, love handles the, underneath the layer of fat that he pointed out kindly earlier yeah. he's like that's a really good steak but it's not really good structurally it's <laughs> like I, I see i thank you for labor you know dumbing it down for me um, that is just a whole nother level. Oh, oh, it's well marbled. Well, Your marbled. back is well marbled. Prime wagyu steak. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, "I'm not saying this to be a dick." And I was like, "I'm gonna make a podcast about it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
he was like, I'm just saying it so that, you know, you're not going to get better as such. And I was like, yeah, I know, I know I'm not going to get better as such. He said, so what we, what we need to do now is the kind of future preventative. Um, and I was like, okay, so, you know, losing a bit of weight, more like conditioning. And he's like, yep, conditioning, strengthening, Pilates every day, all of that kind of stuff. Well, physio every day, I think he said. <laughs> that was made of money. Um, <laughs> and so it was actually really interesting because although probably old Laura would have gone, oh my God, my back is like a wagyu beef. <laughs> Um, current Laura's going, okay, well, that's actually something I can latch on to. Yeah. That's yeah. actually... It's actually helpful. It's yeah. actually quite helpful because now I can <clears> think, <throat> well, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how you do that apart from full body kind of conditioning, but actually I can go, I can understand how that would help. Yeah. It's not just lose, you know, that, like that doctor, when I first went into hospital, when I was about 25 or something, who just went, oh yeah, just lose weight as an answer for why my back is messed up. Yeah. This was actually really helpful. Um, so, yeah. So I basically got a bit of a, not a plan as such. I think we're going to check in again in six months mm. um, and see how I'm going. Because he, he, he's like, I just want to, you know, I want to see if you've got some improvement in your foot. You know, you said that there's a bit of improvement, like keep going. Um, so, yeah, um, that's my update on my. It's always good for like a goal to work towards though, like to understand it instead of like the broad, you just need to lose weight, but like you need to lose weight here so that it strengthens your back. I'm like, I can understand and appreciate that because that's like specifically helpful, not just a general. It's not just losing weight though, is it? It's building the muscle so it's actually really secure and solid and, you know. Yeah, more like the other ones. Yeah, yeah. So... Old, I, as I say, old Laura would have gone and got really upset about the fact that someone had told me that I was, you know, needed to lose weight or whatever. But it actually mm. wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't read it like that. I read it as this is a way that you can be preventative yeah, and hopefully secure, you know, the future. Because, you know, L4, L3, 4 is looking a bit dodge. Um, so I had a similar conversation, actually, with um, my surgeon. Um, I can't remember if it was the last time I saw her or not. Um, might have been the time before um, but she she was saying really for for preventing recurrence for me one of the best things you can do is is lose some weight and get healthy and um, and you know exercise um, one of the stats I think I remember seeing when I was coming out of the kind of worst of my treatment was actually around um I think exercise reduces your risk of recurrence with can- with breast cancer by like forty two percent at a minimum. Holy like shit. it's a wow. huge number. Yeah. Like if it, if it was a drug, you'd be prescribing it. Yeah, you'd yeah. be going, holy hell, that meets you know meets standards, right? So it it's when you kind of that's really what my I guess different people cling on to different things, and for me, I suppose that's the reason that I've really really tried to kind of boost my exercise kind of as part of my recovery and um whilst I haven't I've lost a bit of weight here and there but it's um I think for me it was just sort of building the fitness up to start with and trying to eat better and then kind of just trusting that the result will happen rather than fixating on a number I think that's what I've done in the past and it's you know you can yo-yo and all the rest of it right but if you actually don't change your lifestyle longer term it's not going to work so i i'm fed up of i don't want to make a change if i can't stick to it yeah um 
but yeah work in progress yeah i think as well linking it back to like not, it not just being like society says you should lose weight because, yeah yeah there's know, a reason there's, there's a, a medical reason. benefit and that's what i can see now as well and i i had didn't have that still before. doesn't mean there's no miracle for it to make it happen instantly no <laughs> Like, it's, I'm going to be Waggy B for a while. That's, 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 that's fine. It's a high quality. It is high quality. Henry the fucking Tastes eighth good. over here. <laughs> I, I think that with, I think that with chronic illness, yes, weight loss is always good if it's done in a healthy way. I think the hard part, the struggle that I've had is that when I was really sick, I was like, barely being able to like get out of bed and go do stuff now that i have more energy absolutely i'm doing personal training and i'm focusing a lot on my nutrition and all of that stuff but i think that's the hard part when you're in the midst of the really bad part is like all you're trying to do is survive it's like we spoke about on a previous episode where you really just have to deal with what's in front of you because you just don't have the energy or the wherewithal to even see past that at some point but I think that it's definitely something that should always be taken into account because it's like the biggest most significant antidepressant as well exercising and you know yeah I totally believe that there should be just a healthier way to like the Wagyu beef one that was like (laughs) like but that's a better explanation you know when I went there they just said well we think if you lose weight it'll get better but we just have no idea and I asked, like, is there, like, a certain weight range that I should be in? They just kind of said, well, I mean, here's kind of what this very generic BMI scale says you should be. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, like, not very helpful. Because if they would have said, like, okay, you need to maintain 70 kgs for the rest of your life, then I feel like that would have been more, like, attainable. Like, okay, that's what I need to get to. That's what's going to make this better. So I think that's been the biggest struggle for me because my – health issues also are wrapped around food Mm. so it just creates like this whole weird dynamic around like my hatred for eating my love for eating I think that it's definitely something that you have to focus on but I also think you should forgive yourself when you're too sick to focus on it and I realize we've completely skipped over hi guys how are you what is new in your life (laughs) (laughs) so we're gonna circle back we're gonna circle back um, so I actually had, I'm getting married in January, which I don't know if I've ever mentioned. You've talked about your fiance, yes. but I don't think you've given um, any kind of dates or anything. But I had my hens do over the weekend, which was fabulous. And I felt very lucky for the lovely humans in my life who came together and it was a really great night and it was fun to have a girl's day. Yeah, I did my hair and makeup trials and, um, that was pretty amazing. And, um, yeah, it was just a really fun day and... It's kind of like the, I don't know, the precipice starting the roll to my wedding, you know, because now it's not long now. It's like 80 something days, which my caterer mentioned to me in an email. She was like, <laughs> 80 more days. And I was like, wow. Oh, yay. I'm not stressed out at all. I hadn't thought about it yeah, in days. days. That felt, that somehow felt shorter. I know. It does. <laughs> and she's like, aren't you excited? I'm like, I am both excited and exhausted because yeah. I know all the shit that I need to do between now and then. But it'll all get done. It's just a matter of right now my work is absolutely bonkers. And um, I am trying to also keep on top of the wedding stuff. So that's my whole life. Mm. You You get one of two Megan personalities. You get Megan who's planning a wedding personality or Megan's working 12 hour days at work 
personality. That, that's all you get right now. Last time, just so last time you said you were feeling that you're taking a bit too much on at work and you you'd fallen back into some old rhythms. Um, are you still kind of walking down that road, or have you yeah, taken? Yeah, a... I feel like I I'm a little bit. I've, I've it's still been a really busy time at work at the moment, but um, I feel like the the end of the tunnel's kind of in sight in terms of um, in terms of that, which is which is good. And I you know when I think about it, I think well, there's only only another six, seven weeks or so until the end of the year. So for me, I'm just trying to, I've managed to clear off a couple of things last week and just trying to clear stuff off my plate really so that I can actually get back to, back to some of my, my uh, personal projects really. It was interesting that one thing went just sort of touching on something we touched on earlier was the piece around wellbeing. We're talking about exercise and all of that side of things. But the one thing that actually my, my personal trainers actually said to me, like, the best thing you can do at the moment, Jen, is sleep. Go out for walks and all the rest of it, but, you know, you've had a cold, what feels like all winter, and it feels like it hasn't really almost gone. Like, I've had brief, like, weeks where it's sort of... Yeah, you have been quite... a bit better for a bit, and then mm. it's like, another get another one, you know? And, um, and it's... I was thinking about what one of the things that we were talking about the other... Uh, one of the other episodes was around how like you don't notice your you sometimes don't notice your you've been sick until you're better mm, yeah and I think the same with sleep that I didn't I had I had a short night's sleep on Saturday because I had a party Saturday night and then I had a three-year-old woke me up at 6am on Sunday morning and um then I had a nap to catch up on my sleep <laughs> um, but then like last night I went to bed at like nine o'clock and got you know, a good solid, good solid sleep, and I was like, oh, this, I feel so much better, and you think, gosh, wouldn't it be great if I did this every night? <laughs> I'm like, hmm, that, yeah. that's a life goals. <laughs> oh, mine hasn't, mine hasn't really improved. Oh, that's not good. No, I can tend, I can tend to get off to sleep, but I wake up pretty much bang on between like two and three. Is that when you're in pain medication wears off? No, I'm not on any pain medication. Oh. Now I am uh, currently medication free, apart from the one I'm taking for my skin. Um, so it's not it's not to do with pain relief. I was doing I did try the THC oil for a while, um, and then I was a bit, I was a bit sad about the fact that the only way I could go to sleep is if I was quite stoned. I think we said this before we started even doing the podcast, but I just I, I mentioned it earlier, but I don't think I've actually given you the context. So I went to Orlando and I was riding all of the rides and I suddenly thought I can't walk <laughs> I think I had slipped a disc at that point but I was powering through and I was in Orlando anyway I got back um managed to get back on the plane that's another story but um I went to hospital because I live with my granddad and he was you know it was the middle of the night when I got back I was in absolute agony couldn't sleep went to the hospital barely got down the stairs using the uh, the lovely gas and air um and in the hospital, they, they they were treating my pain, but they weren't treating my problem. So they, they got my pain under control. Finally saw the doctor, and it was just me on my own because I wasn't wasn't going to bring drag my granddad out of bed. Um, and I kind of I, I said to him like, well, "What what is this?" And I, I at that point I hadn't had a slip disc. This was my first one. Um, like what 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 do I do? And he was like, "Just lose weight." And he walked out. So he he literally kind of ducked his head around the 
around the curtain and I was like you know thanks for you know mostly getting my pain under control but like what's what do I what do I do and what age were you I was 20 ooh 24 or 25 wow okay. and well, I was gonna say I I don't remember well oh I, I saw you that regularly at that age Laura but you were not a large lady well you're not large now really in my view but well I'm nearly you know. six foot so, and I'm a I'm a curvy lady so I am I am bigger but being that young and being told that nothing else I wasn't told I think you slipped a disc and if I was I was on lots of drugs and I don't remember I was there on my own that was the only thing I remember from that night so I immediately thought I fucked up I've done I have done this to myself mm. it's my fault and I, if I don't lose weight I'm not going to be able to and so I've had I mean I've had a problem with my weight forever because that one boy that said you've been eating a lot of crisps lately and I was just hormones coming in for the first time thank you very much you know who you are (laughs) (laughs) um so i've had this i've had it in my head forever and that it it took up so much of my it consumed me because i thought i this is my fault you're saying this is my fault you're not Mm. telling me what the actual problem is you're saying that the reason it's happened is because i'm fat or i'm overweight or i'm big and i'm and it's it's so so triggering and horrible don't know who that bloody doctor was and i was very drunk not drunk i was i was very drunk um but yeah those types of things really impact you whereas i didn't even you know i wasn't upset about the wagyu beef and this is gonna have to be called wagyu beef or something (laughs) (laughs) but i wasn't upset about it that would normally have triggered me and i went i understand you know thank you for thank you for explaining it in a way that doesn't make me feel like shit yeah it's not actually you, you know tone and you know, tone makes such a difference that, you know, it can be the exact same message you're trying to deliver, but somebody taking the time to, to deliver it in a sort of, you know, different tone, different context makes a makes a huge difference. Um, and also, I think the fact that you're like the surgeon you're with now is probably somebody that you've, you've built a rapport with over time. No, I've only, I only met him, I only met him this, he wasn't the guy that did the surgery. He was his registrar, one of his registrars, not the guy that I'd met before. Oh, wow. I, this was my first meeting of this this oh, particular that's awesome. surgery. So it's, it's not awesome. someone that you've built nope. rapport with, and then they've kind of given. Oh, no, because initially I was disappointed because well, somebody I, with I, a very good bedside yeah. manner. Then it's well, the luck natural. of the draw, man. The luck of the draw. I was disappointed because I thought because I saw my other I saw my the other registrar in another room. I was like, well, he's obviously not mine because I've been told this room, and I thought, oh god, I'm going to have to you know say all of my stuff again. And he was obviously one of the registrars of my surgeon. And so I, this was my first meeting with him. And I cannot tell you how much I like this guy. And he was, you know, he, how many people do you see in a day? Yeah. yeah. And I came away from that thinking, I have a positive, you know, I, I, I'm i a bit worried about L34 because yeah. she's a slippery little minx. <laughs> but um, I can actually see a way forward yeah. that's not making me feel like shit. And mm. it was amazing. was thinking about when we were talking about generally in around the issues of like well-being and the things that are outside of your direct um condition or illness or um and i was thinking that i my my well-being if you're going to use the like buzzword it was not i didn't even think about it like i remember you you talking about being a feeder i remember not being able to get out of my bed living alone as well and then the dog is obviously not great at yeah um those kinds of things 
So I had a packet. Of, I had packets of crackers and packets of dry plain biscuits in my like sock drawer next to my bed, and I every four hours I just rolled over and grabbed three. I got it down to two because I wasn't really hungry. Two or three biscuits, and then I took my next pills, and then I was still in bed. And it was only when you probably learned this fact, Megan, <laughs> and you brought me around individually portioned soups. Uh, rices, I think you did like veggie, veggie fried rice, you did smoothies, and you were like, if you can get to the kitchen, just grab it, you don't have to do anything else, and that became how I like fueled my body, that like the nutritional aspect of it was gone on me, I was on drugs and biscuits and crackers <laughs> until you kind of went, <laughs> I need to feed you, <laughs> it's not sustainable, <laughs> but it just wasn't, that wasn't a priority, literally the only thing yeah. I was thinking about apart from how shit everything was, was I just, I'm going to wait four hours. And I had a timer on my phone. You probably, probably remember. Yeah. I was like counting down probably for the last 40 minutes of every four hours. And then I just thought, right, okay, I've got to get the painkillers in as quickly as I can. I, don't, I didn't want to faff around. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting that you brought that up because that really helped me. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't by any means a priority. I didn't care about fueling my body because my body was not working. Yeah. I think that that brings us to a really good point about the people around us and how they support us, but also how it impacts them. You know, we talk a lot about our struggles and the things that we deal with in our mental health. And, you know, we as a group have always been very conscious about the people around us and how much we appreciate their help, but how it has also impacted them, their lives. And, you know, like when you love somebody, you never want to see them in pain. And, um, you know, that's what it was me Laura you were in pain and I loved you and I was just like well I can't do anything about your back I can't you know like pick you up and take you to the bathroom you know I can't do any of that but I can bring you food I can make sure that it's light enough that you can pick it up so your back doesn't hurt and I can just make it super easy for you my partner is really gentle and supportive when I do get sick and but it also means that like she doesn't get sleep on those nights or she you know has to deal with me and my grumpy ass the next day because I didn't sleep the night before and she didn't sleep the night before and like especially when it was really really bad I just couldn't really function as a human she was very much like taking care of the household stuff taking care of the food you know like I like you Laura didn't want to eat because eating for me and what I have was causing the problem and I didn't know how to get out of like the hamster wheel that I was in and there was like a point in time where I was I think I had like two weeks where I literally just ate liquids for every single meal because it was easier to vomit up because I couldn't get it to stop and um so Holly had to make all of those you know broths and whatever and she was always a trooper for it she you know has never complained one single time but we know we've talked a lot about good communication between us, especially when I get really overwhelmed because I personally get like really overstimulated and very angry about it because it's been going on for so long that I don't mean to take it out on her. But I think that the natural occurrence is like you by accident, you know, say things that you don't really mean because they're not really directed at her. It's just like you're angry at the world and she just happens to be talking about talking to you and, you know, you broken your concentration on something it, it's annoyed you because you're tired and cranky 
And so we've had to work a lot on communicating and being like stepping back from that and being like, no, you don't deserve this. And I'm going to communicate better or I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> Out of the three of us, I've only met my, I've only been in Oh, you can say partner, a relationship. Or relationship. I know. Or I was like, I get freaked out. <laughs> I was like, I've only been in my, and I was like, don't say in love, don't say in love. Oh, what a loser. <laughs> um, so for my all of my previous surgeries and bad, you know, most of my bad back, at least in my thirties and probably my twenties, I have haven't been with anyone, so I've relied so heavily on my friends, and now it's quite ironic to me that I've now met someone who's fucking awesome, and. I don't, I don't need him to like look after me which is actually quite nice but um he did say something the other day which was like um do we need to have like a shared like a fund for like if you have to have surgery again if ACC won't cover it and you know and this doesn't happen like do we need to start save putting money into a separate pot for you know future back surgeries and I was like oh my god <laughs> like, oh that's so romantic that's very romantic and also it made me feel a bit like a a bit like a burden but it was a very cute thing to say but like I know that you guys have, you've had the person throughout, um, which, oh no, actually no, you've been a bit half and half. Oh my god, a bit. We've got a bit of adoption, so we've had Jen throughout. Yeah, so we've got Megan, half and half. Yeah, and me, new. Yeah, although, although it's um, <clears throat> I mean, although Neil's obviously been with me kind of through the whole journey, I think the interesting thing for me has been. Well, I guess how anything, anything big life events can sort of shift your dynamics as well. So when I was, I also think when there's not enough support out there, certainly in the cancer world, I don't think there's enough support out there for the other half. And they're dealing with some pretty heavy stuff, right? Like they're dealing with the same uncertainty about, you know, am I going to lose my for Neil you know am I gonna lose my wife am I gonna be a, a single dad and you know at the same time he came with me to almost all my appointments and this you know when he couldn't come there was you know other people that came with me but you know he came to my appointments and and su supporting me with it and then at the same time he's doing all the housework pretty much because I couldn't even you know, I'd load the dishwasher and I'd need to lie down. Like, uh, my energy levels got so, so bad. So he's doing all of that and then looking after a three-year-old, well, two-year-old, three-year-old. Um, and I think in some ways the busyness gave him a distraction from the mental health side of things. So actually, whilst he was physically exhausted, until my parents came over and... um and could kind of help physically manage that side of things. Um, but the, I think it took, once I sort of had the all clear and stuff around the, around the, how the chemo had actually worked, then, then I think for both of us, that's when the mental health, or for me, I suppose I kind of had it throughout, but in different ways. But for him, I think he finally got the space to sort of actually really, really think about it. And, and that was really tough. And I know he still worries about recurrence and still reads, you know, every time you read an article or see yeah. a film or, you know, these different things that kind of go, oh, Olivia Newton-John's Newton died and, 
she, you know, she kind of, I don't know, I, can't, I think hers came back after a period, longer period of time, or I can't remember the exact facts around it, but anytime you sort of see someone who's like, oh, they were fine, and then it came back, yeah. and then they died, and it's like, every time he sort of sees that, it's like, the worry that it's going to come back, and it's not just going to come back in my boob, where I get a mammogram, and, and worst case, we chop them off, but, you know, it's going to come back in... Um, not not to minimise that because it's pretty horrible as well. That was really that's that was like, really cash. <laughs> you know, um, that wouldn't be very nice. Yeah. <laughs> but even worse would be if it came back in my brain or my liver or, or, some, yeah. or somewhere where, you know, the options are are more limited. You know, um, and that's yeah, that would be really like that would be worse than than having to chop my boobs off I was already they're a bit wonky anyway they've chopped a bit out but not the whole boobs so. wow we just jumped straight you know. into <laughs> one thing I was going to say though is that you don't you don't hear the stories about all of the people who have survived and have not it hasn't come back for yeah because that's not as newsworthy no you don't no you know you do within within your probably within your community and you get the you know the yeah. awesome stuff that we, we went to the pink ribbon walk a couple of weeks ago and you're only surrounded by all these survivors and all of these you know spouses and friends and it's a lovely community but you don't always hear wow you, you got rid of it and it didn't come back you hear the, yeah. the newsworthy and i'm using quotation marks on the podcast <laughs> oh. um but yeah i, I suppose that's is not i'm not trying to minimize the fear of that but just to kind of i don't know to offer a bit of not a perspective a different perspective yeah, that you, yeah, you, don't, you don't see it all i think yeah. and I, I think the other piece that for me like Obviously, the biggest person that sort of saw everything was impacted was was Neil, but but also, you know, I had a hell of a lot of friends. You know, you you've talked about how friends kind of were a big help and stuff, and and you know, my my friends and community rallied around and really helped. I think the hardest bit, if I think about impact on other people, though, was actually probably those. You know, I've, I've, my family live in the UK, and um, for most for the most part they're in the UK and they I think it's really really hard when your family's on the other side of the world and they want to do something but feel so helpless and I got lots of really nice like boxed meals although I did get a lot of I'm gonna, confession zone here <laughs> I did get a lot of lasagnas <laughs> and and to the point where I had to like start like if we have people around, I'm like, let's have lasagna because <laughs> then other people will, will help me get through the levels of lasagna because I, I just, I couldn't get through all the lasagna. I needed support in that endeavour. She was trying to black alley give me lasagnas. <laughs> like, like, hey, Laura, I think it's like, give me a veggie easy, lasagna. It is the easiest thing yeah. to like make Breathe, me give to people. Yeah. I, and I've, I've done it. You know, people had a new baby and I'm like, I'll make a lasagna. It's like, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, Maybe I'll make a fish pie. Yeah. <laughs> or like, it makes me different because everyone goes to lasagna. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's so different in all of our experiences because obviously for you, Jen, it was about, you know, like death and the scary things that come along with whatever, you know, what everybody thinks of cancer, right? Mm. And then when you talk about it, it we're not comparing cancer. So I understand that like my experience and Laura's experience is like very valid. But, um, I think that the impact is probably bigger on the people around you because for me, like, I mean, there is genuinely a fear 
of cancer, but that's just because of the damage that I do to my throat, um, which has been something like my doctor has talked to me about. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Can you not like, can we not go there unless you want to do something about it? But um, I couldn't imagine going through that and then having a partner or having a partner go through that because I imagine that Neil probably once he stood still was like oh shit you know but you have to you can't stand still in those moments because you're just like too busy to stand still and as soon as you do it's like the whole world tumbles down you're like shit and the interesting thing actually is I remember him saying to me that only a handful of people ever asked him how he was mm. and that that I think we need to be better at so yeah. I think that you know it was so hard for him to connect with like other husbands partners whoever who've um you know who've got a partner who's going through breast cancer um you know it wasn't and it, well, it was probably exacerbated because of covid and all the rest yeah. of it but it was it wasn't that easy to connect. Like there's so much online support and, and different charities to help try and connect people who are going through a disease. Yeah. But the kind of Spouses. partners of people that are going through something, mm. it's really it's really difficult. I don't think there is a level of of support for people. Like whatever not just cancer, right? But like whatever disease it is, I don't think there's yeah. as much yeah. support as there should be. It seems like we've covered some really, I want to say meaty. We've covered some really meaty topics. Meaty. Um, meaty. <laughs> Jen's gone. <laughs> I lost it. But it feels like we've, we actually have covered some really big themes. And I think it's going to be, well, hopefully it's going to be quite an interesting yeah. um, episode. We're obviously live now, which is a really exciting thing as well. So I hope you guys are enjoying it. We've had, I think we've got about 100 listens. Uh, we've got people in Belgium and people in, um, ooh, yeah, ooh. good old ACAST, I can see. Um, the States, which I, I was like, the UK, I was like, I wonder who they are. Um, Australia, Belgium, Germany. Yeah, so thanks so much if, if, if that is actually accurate and you guys are out there. Um, if you've got any feedback on future episode themes or just in January, just want to say hi, um, want to contact us about having a chat if you've got, you know, some shit going on and want to have a chat leave a review five stars <laughs> Jen don't try and leave a review though and um or you know if you know someone that you think might be interested that would be really cool and share it with them um I've had quite a few conversations with people and they've just kind of said oh yeah my auntie's got that or my aunt you know so and so's got this and they've yeah basically building a bit of a community over the world it seems so um you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and visibly ill podcast uh, not invisibly three, like it looks like, because <laughs> of uh, sans serif fonts. But um, you can also drop us an email at invisiblyillpodcast at gmail dot com, and yeah, we hope you are enjoying listening to it. Although we also are three ladies talking about invisible illness. I know. So invisibly three. Entendre. <laughs> very meaty. <laughs> I was just going to go. Hi, welcome to invisibly three. <laughs> that doesn't sound as good. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Cheerio. You always go with like, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> Toodaloo.